Good morning. Great to see everybody. West Falls Church. Good morning, Grace Live. Good morning, Words. We're talking about talking about words. My son was about 13 years old. We were having a big gathering in our house. We need to extend, fully extend the dining room table. We're in a big rush. My wife said, Jonathan, get the leaves for the table quickly, and I'll meet you in the dining room. So she comes in the dining room about five minutes later, and he had gone outside. He had found some leaves off of the tree, and he had placed them nicely on the table. I said this, you heard that. It's a helicopter uh, pilot. He had a co-pilot with him, and his navigation system went down. He was in a new city, didn't quite know where he was. And so he had an idea. He was going to fly over to a very large building. had huge business, business office, huge windows. And so he flew over, and the co-pilot rode up. Where am I? Because he's trying to figure out how to get to the airport. Where am I? And they got a huge piece of paper. They wrote back. You're in a helicopter. I said this, you heard that. You ever been out of sync with somebody? You ever been out of sync with somebody? You ever been out of sync with Siri? You ever said something to Siri and, 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 and Siri texted somebody some stuff? I sometimes think Krista needs to clean up her language because she uses Siri all the time. You know what I'm saying? You ever been out, out of sync? Or have you ever been really in sync with somebody? Like just everything was just clicking on all... Eh, they understood you perfectly. You understood them perfectly. Everything was great. A gentleman, he was an older gentleman, needed to get a surgery. It was a very serious surgery. His son is a sur- son-in-law. His son-in-law is a surgeon. And so he said, I, you have to do the surgery. You absolutely have to do this surgery for me. And that's really frowned upon. They're like, no, I can't, can't do this surgery. No, I insist you do the surgery. So right before they go into surgery, the father-in-law says to the son-in-law, if anything goes wrong, if I die... My wife, your mother-in-law, is going to come live with you. It was a flawless surgery. Flawless surgery. Two people totally understanding each other without any problems whatsoever. Okay? I said this, you heard that, right? You are just like me. You want to make the most out of your life, right? You want to make the most out of your life. You want to be a difference maker. You want to be successful both personally and professionally, Our words have the power to make or break our lives. That is how important words are. It says words, words are life and death. Life and death is in in the power of the word. And when that scripture says that, it's just talking about physical life. Life in the Bible points to psychological life, our inner life. So our words, our speak can crush us, can give us life or help make us feel like we're dying on the inside. Words that are spoken. Also, societal life. When the Bible speaks of life, it means community. Well, we know that. Words can break down community. They can actually break it apart. We're going to look a lot at Proverbs throughout this seven-week series because, as many people know, the book of Proverbs so incredibly practical, right? It's so much about wisdom, but right on the heels of wisdom, it's a lot about words. It's a lot about speaking wise words. Now, I sent out... Um, a text uh, just yesterday. If you don't get the text message, I'm going to tell you just a second how you can, how you can get them. But I sent out this text with a link to a clip from the movie called The Help. It's a fantastic clip, right? Where she's sitting there. She's got this young, young child on her lap, this child that the mother doesn't really spend time with or say nice things to. And she's, you is smart. You is important. You is kind. Because this child doesn't get those words. 
If you want to sign up for that, I'm going to send some other things in the future, maybe even some songs. I got a great clip from the office that I want to send you. Here's how you sign up for it, right? You text the word Try Grace. It's our website, Try Grace. Just Try Grace, all one word, to 84576. You're going to get a reply text. You click the link and then you just put in your name and your email address and hit save. And that's all that you have to do. Why are we doing this series? Why are we doing this series? Because one of the first things we are told about God is God speaks. Like in the beginning, book of Genesis, how the whole Bible starts in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then it goes into this long string of, and God said, and God said, God spoke, God spoke, God spoke. When God wanted to create life, he didn't roll up his sleeves like I have here. He didn't roll up his sleeves and say, okay, let's, let's do this. He spoke. He spoke to create life. And God invites us to speak as well. He invites Adam to name all the animals by speaking. Identity. Identity is given by the speaking of words. So God uses words. He invites us to reflect his image by speaking words of life. Satan, how does he destroy life? He destroys by speaking. He doesn't take the fruit and force it down their mouth. He doesn't do that. He speaks words. Our words can lift up or tear down. Our words can create life or they can create death. Do one or the other. It's an amazing thing. We're told that Jesus said this about him. No one spoke like Jesus spoke. Nobody spoke like Jesus spoke. Now, the thing that is over and over and over again in the Bible is that we're called to be followers of Jesus. And one of the ways we follow Jesus is by following Jesus with our words, our words. Do our words reflect life? Our words have the power to lift up or tear down, create good, create evil. We can make the most of our life or make the least of our life by the very words that we speak. Our words can start a marriage or end a marriage. They can start a career. They can end a career. They can start a friendship. They can end a friendship. The cool thing about this series that we're in, it is incredibly practical. Like you don't have to be religious. You really don't have to know the Bible at all because Proverbs, particularly Proverbs, is so incredibly practical. The things that it says in Proverbs, they just make sense. They just make total practical sense. Gossip separates close friends is what Proverbs says. Like, okay, I agree. I don't have to believe in God to believe that. Yes, gossip separates close friends. Here's another one. If you don't guard your mouth, you'll get in trouble. Yes, yeah, that's very true. If I don't guard my mouth, I am going to get in trouble. So it has a very broad appeal, things that are just generally true. Here's another one. When words are many, sin is not absent. I'll say that again. When words are many, sin is not absent. So here's the good news for you. These are going to be very short messages. Because for somebody who stands up here and speaks a lot of words, I have to be very economical with my words because I don't want to sin, right? Where, sins are, where words are many, sin is not absent. There was a great article recently that came out about the fact that Washington, D.C. is suffering from abbreviation overload. Maybe some of you saw that. Abbreviation. We have so many abbreviations here at D.C., right? CIA, FBI, DHS, on and on and on. And on. I'm going to go on TDY. I'm on TDY. Whatever. All these things that people these say. So George Mason Law School, just up the street from us, just up the street from us, George Mason Law School, they decided in March 2016 to reveal the new name of their law school. You know what it was? The Antonin Scalia School of Law. Do you know what that translates to? I said this, you heard that, right? They had to change the name. They had to change the name as a result of this. I have my own abbreviation for today. It's W-P-P-I-O-P-P-O. And this is what it stands for. Our words pull people in or they push people out. And isn't that so true? 
you have a power. You can reflect the image of God. And your words that you use get like a skilled craftsman. You know, the Bible says our words can create, as Proverbs says, a custom piece of jewelry. So skilled craftsmen, they can be exquisite, they can be beautiful. And you can use your words to create life and to build up and to pull people in and to do something good. Or you can use your words to do the exact opposite. So during this series, we're going to work on our words. We're going to work on our words. Now, I've talked about life and death and all these big, huge things. You might say, hey, John, really? Is that possible? I mean, is this, is, can that really take place? Like if I just make a minor adjustment to my words, is it going to really make or break my life? Is it going to really make or break my future? And I, what I want to encourage you is this. Don't overlook minor adjustments that you might make that you might be prompted to make because of this series or maybe because you feel God's prompting you to make. Don't overlook minor adjustments to have a huge effect on your life in the future. I just heard this recently, actually this past week. In the United States of America, there used to be over 3,000 deaths by drowning, mainly in public swimming pools. Over 3,000 every single year. And you know many of them are little children. And you can imagine the heartache and the pain that that horrific tragedy causes. So a group of people from the YMCA decided to get together. So you know what? We need to do something about this. They had a clear goal. We want to bring that number down. We want to bring it down significantly. So they got together and they looked at what was happening. They analyzed and they talked, 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 talked. They talked. They talked and they talked and they talked until they boiled everything down to what they thought was one minor adjustment that needed to be made that could have an effect on it. And here was the minor adjustment they made. They needed lifeguards in public swimming uh, pools to simply do what they called a 10-10 scan. Every 10 seconds, whatever area they were in charge of, they needed to scan it every 10 seconds. Just kind of look it over every 10 seconds. And if they saw somebody who they thought was in need, they had 10 seconds to get to them. So it was a 10-10 scan. Minor adjustment. How in the world could that possibly make such a big change? How in the world could that possibly save people's lives? Here's the data. After that was put in, after that was implemented, the 1010 scan, drowning deaths dropped by over two-thirds. That's over 2,000 families didn't have to experience just the terrible tragedy of a death because of a minor adjustment. I don't want you to overlook a minor adjustment to your words, right? Reflecting the image of God that God wants you to, to follow Jesus in it, that maybe it'll make a huge difference in your life and maybe it'll make a huge difference in people's lives around you as well. Now I want to state the obvious right here at the beginning. State the obvious. We all have to be hungry to learn because that's what Proverbs talks about. Proverbs talks about wisdom and it talks about words and it says, how do we get wisdom and how do we get the right words? We have to have a thirst to learn. Proverbs 15, a wise person is hungry for knowledge. Is, I have to ask myself, is that me? You have to ask yourself, is that you? Are you hungry for knowledge? Wise people treasure knowledge. Wisdom and thirst for knowledge go hand in hand. I know some of us say, hey, look, you know, there's a little inventory inside here. It takes about 20 minutes. You're like, hey, man, there is just no way, John, that, that this inventory can kind of nail me. I don't like to be labeled. This can't define who I am in 20 minutes. There's absolutely no way. We have to have a hunger to learn and to figure. I mean, what this is trying to do is tell us what's generally true, what, not what's perfectly true. 
to help us to give us an understanding, not just of ourselves, but the people who we communicate with all the time, whether that's at home or at work, to just to give us a general framework of who they are and who we are, right? There's blues and there's yellows and there's reds and there's green, just like it's on the stage here behind me, right? There's these colors, Some people talk about in terms of animals, beavers and golden retrievers and all that kind of stuff. But what's generally true is we 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 generally have a certain temperament. And that's all that this is trying to do. It's easy to remember. I know that I have no idea what my Myers-Briggs thing is, but I can tell you my color is blue. I know that. And I know what's generally true about me, and I know what's generally true about my wife. Now, we hope that you'll get this book because it's quite fascinating. And I'm turning to page number 47 in this book because it tells me about what it means to be blue. What are my strengths and weaknesses? And there's some wonderful things here, right? So immediately I, I, I love it, right? I look on the left-hand side of the page and it tells me that I'm honest and I'm, I'm creative and I'm deep and I'm thoughtful. I'm respectful. I'm neat and I'm tidy. I prefer uh, facts and logic. I'm self-sacrificing. That sounds so much like Jesus, right? So I've been just... <laughs> I mean, this is, this is fantastic. Why wouldn't you want to take the inventory and figure out who you are and have a thirst for knowledge? But then I look on the right-hand side of the page and the, and the weaknesses that are there, and it says that I can be self-righteous and judgmental and unforgiving and critical of others. And I tend to be a hypochondriac, and I read that, and I'm like, that book is stupid. <laughs> I don't care how many times that book or my wife for the past 30 years tells me I'm a hypochondriac. I am not a hypochondriac. Do you know what I'm saying? There's no way it can define me and label me like that. Well, this is telling us what's generally true, not what is perfectly true in our lives. We've got to wonder. I almost sent this out on text message uh, this past week, that song, that really popular song, Old Town Road, that was played so much. If you are an NBA fan, they played it during the finals like constantly. Anybody familiar with the song, Old Town Road? I have no idea what the song is about. I have a trouble anyway understanding words and I, it's, what, what is the meaning of this song? But the one thing I do get for clear, clearly get, because you can't miss it. You can't miss what the chorus is about. The chorus is, you can't tell me nothing, right? You can't tell me nothing. There's nothing you can tell me. I watched a video this past week of little Nas X. He was at an elementary school and elementary kids loved that song and they're just jumping up and down. You can't tell me nothing, right? That's not necessarily the thing. That we want our kids to be saying, you get, you know, and the teacher just singing along, like, what are you teachers ought to be saying? Stop the music. Okay. Don't let that you be you. I don't want it to be me. I want to be wise. I want to have a thirst to learn. I want to understand other people, and there's a responsibility there, and that's what I want to get into next. I want to read to you Ephesians 4. So in this book, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of the theme verse about uh, in this book, Ephesians 4.29. Here's what it says, and then let's break it down real quick. Here we go. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. There's four things I'd like to point out here. First of all, it says don't let, it, don't let these words come out. In other words, we have control over it. We need to take control over it. You can't just say, oh, that's just the way I am. The words just come out or that's just the way they are. I'm going to communicate the way I want to communicate, but they're, you know, whatever. They're, they're their own person. That's just the way I am. I'm not. And it says, it says, don't let it come out that you're in charge. The psalmist says you should have like a, a policeman guarding the door of your mouth. That's what the psalmist says. James says the same thing, that we need to take control of it. Actually, James says, if we can control our tongues, we can control our entire bodies. 
our entire bodies. If we can control our tongues, don't let those words that shouldn't come out, come out. You ever find yourself that sometimes certain words, words that you shouldn't say, like rush the gates, they rush the gates of your mouth. Like, oh, it can't. That's what, and he's saying you can't let that happen. You have to take charge. James goes even further when he says, do you want to know how you measure genuine spiritual growth and maturity? Here we go. This is how you measure it. James 1.26, anyone who says he is a Christian but doesn't control his sharp tongue is just fooling himself and his religion isn't worth much. That's pretty strong. Why are we doing this series? Because if we want to grow spiritually, if we want to be followers of Christ, if we want a better life, let's say you're not spiritual at all, you just want a better life. What is practically true? What's practically true is the words we speak either pull people in or they push people out. The first thing is, is that we need to take control of what comes out of our mouth. The second thing is, it's unwholesome. He says, don't let anything unwholesome come out of your mouth. Now, the word unwholesome means rotten, like rotten fruit or rotten fish. It stinks. It smells, and it'll make you sick if you eat it. Has anybody ever said words to you that just kind of crushed your spirit, that made you sick? Maybe those words were said to you many, many years ago, and you still remember them. Have you ever said words to anybody that crushed them, that made them sick, that has wounded them even to this day? And we have this old saying, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never harm me. And that's completely untrue. We also say it this way today. We'll say, you know, it doesn't matter what people think about you or say about you. It doesn't matter. You'd be your own person. Anyway, there couldn't be anything farther from the truth. That's just like ridiculous jabber. It's not even true. Think about it for a second. Let's just say you're an artist or you're a musician or you're a leader at work or you're a preacher standing on a stage and people say nothing but bad stuff about you, Right? You, that was terrible, like 100% terrible, worthless, no good. Is that going to crush your spirit? Is somehow do you think you're going to stand up against all of that? Of course the words that you hear matter. They have an impact upon you. It's a, it's a nice thing to say, but it's not practically true. We need to hear. We have a need in us to hear words. That's why God gives us words, words like I love you with an everlasting love. You know, all the things that God says about you are created in the image of God. God gives us words. When he creates this world again, he doesn't roll up his sleeves. He speaks. He speaks. Jesus, in the biography that John gives us, is he is the word that has come down from the Father. They'll cross us. Words, they can create life, joy, healing, an apt word, a timely word, a wise word. Proverbs says it's like a custom piece of jewelry, beautiful and exquisite. The third thing I like to say here from Ephesians 4 is to build each other up. This is really important. It's a construction term. The words that come out of our mouths should be for the purpose of building other people up. We have to ask ourselves from this construction term, are you on the construction team or on the demolition team? And the thing is, is that we can go back and forth. And James says this so well. He says, you know what? When you have an apple tree, it has apples. When you have a fig tree, it has figs. But your tongue can be all kinds of different things. It can be good and it can be bad. And that's, un- that's the most unusual thing in nature. Think about, think about this. Have you ever had a time when you're talking to somebody? And you're totally in sync. Everything is going well. You have a good, the relation's going great. They're speaking, you're speaking. Everything's beautiful. And then all of a sudden, like within minutes, 
Something comes out of their mouth or your mouth and one thing leads to the other. It escalates and all of a sudden your relationship is fractured. How many times does that happen? We see a great example of this in the Bible, in, in, in the life of Jesus Christ. We are told that Peter said these words that were straight from God and Jesus was like, yes, Peter, you got it. This is awesome. And then just a few moments later, Peter says words that are straight from Satan. And Jesus says, you're speaking on behalf of everything that is not good. And he rebukes them. Our tongues can quickly go from life to death, life to death. And we need to get control of our tongues. Proverbs 12, 18 says, thoughtless words can wound as deeply as any sword. But wisely spoken words can heal. Thoughtless words, reckless words, careless words. We say things and then they wound. They wound as deeply as, as any sword would, right? They leave scars. You know what a sword? You plunge. I got a little cut yesterday, a paper cup, and, and it's, still, it's still on me. It's probably going to leave a scar, right? <laughs> Swords. If you stick a sword, I mean, it's going to leave a scar. What Proverbs is saying is our words are the exact same way. Now, you might say something to somebody and that deeply hurts them. And you say you're sorry, and you're like, okay, let's get over it, let's move on, and then like, I can't move on. I mean, if, if, if you hurt somebody, like if somebody got cut or something like that deeply, you'd have to take them to the ER, and there'd be a time of healing and stitching up. Same thing happens with our words. There's a time, it leaves, it leaves a deep scar. Uh, I grew up right down the street from here. I rode the little, it was a school bus, but it was a van, and our van had this little cool thing on it because when you open the door, you know, the, the lights would click. They'd flash the stoplights. It click, 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 and it made this noise. And so, I don't know, I'm eight years old. And I used to like when the door was open, letting other students out, I'd like to put my finger in the door and make the clicker go off. And one day I put my finger in the door and the kid got out and he's not knowing and he slammed it. And I would hold the finger up to you. It's my middle finger, so I'm not going to do that. But to this day, I have a scar, and I'll never forget something that happened decades ago right down the street from here. How about you? Words. You ever spoke something? You ever heard something that's left a scar, and it's deep inside of you? We have to be very careful. Jesus says this, and this is really, whoa, are you serious, Jesus? He says, we will have to give an account for every careless word we speak. Really, really important. That's why I love that scene from The Help. That little baby girl whose mom didn't give her the time of day. You is important. You is kind. Those are words of life. Those words need to be spoken. Final thing, four. It is according to their needs. It's what benefits the listener. What is this saying? It says we have, here we go, we have a responsibility as the communicator to understand our audience or our listeners and to communicate in such a way. It's our responsibility to communicate in such a way that they understand. They understand. I'll never forget a conversation that I had with a gentleman uh, a number of years ago. Oh, man, he was all about church. He's all about the Bible. And he had a real, he had a real fracture in his relationship with his son. I'm like, well, I was trying to say, well, maybe this is what your son's thinking. But I was like, that's not my problem. That's his problem. 
Okay, well, he really needed to get a hold of what the Bible says because the Bible says in multiple places that it is the responsibility of the communicator to understand the person or persons that you're speaking to. Do you understand the people that you live with or that you're closest to personally or the people that you interact with all the time at your place of business? Do you really understand them well? And are you communicating in such a way that they get it? That they understand it because it is our responsibility to do that, that they fully understand. Preparing for this series, I think, is already making my marriage better. I, I, I'm really beginning to understand Krista better and how to communicate with her better. And hopefully throughout this series, maybe I'll get better even professionally with the, with the staff. There's this famous proverb that says, train up a child in the way that they should go. Train up a child in the way they should go. And many scholars believe what that is specifically saying is every child is different. You don't train up every child the exact same way. You have to look at their temperament. Scholars think that what that is pointing to is every child has a temperament. And as a parent, you can't parent every child the exact same way. You can't find a brilliant coach. A successful coach who says, oh yeah, I just, I just coach every single player the exact same way. No, because brilliant coaches know that you coach the player. You understand that one player needs this, the other needs that. That's because it's temperament. So we have a responsibility to learn about ourselves, but not just about ourselves, about other people so that we can make the most of all of our lives together. This is what it's calling to. Now, I want to read you Proverbs 24, 26, because there's something in here that is not said any other place in the Bible, right? No other place. This is what it says. An honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. Do you know that there's no other place in the Bible that talks about kissing somebody on the lips? This is it. This is the one time. An honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. And here's what we know from from scholars from when this was written years ago. You would talk about kissing somebody on the cheek or bowing to somebody, but when you kiss somebody on the lips, it meant that you were equal, that you, had, you were equal with them. There was an equality between the two of you. And so what this is saying is, is that when you speak and you communicate according to somebody and you've taken into account for who they are, that you have met them. You have become equal with them in the sense that you have communicated in an effective way that they can understand. It is saying that we have a responsibility to study those people who are closest to us and to find their lips. I have a very different way of communicating than Krista does. Very different way. She's yellow, I'm blue. We're very different. But if I don't figure out the way to communicate with her in a way that is successful, I have not found her lips is what it's saying. And I have a responsibility as a communicator to do just that. Have you found the best way to communicate with those closest to you, those around you? Do you understand that? Are your words constructing or destructing? Are you on the construction crew or on the demolition team? Which team are you on with your words? Now, I want to go back to something I said a few moments ago. You might say, hey, John, minor changes. How in the world can I make just a little tweak, just a little change with my words and, and, and cause this incredible difference? I want to remind you again, this group of people is so fascinating. They got together, they talked, 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 talked from the YMCA. And they made a minor adjustment, and they have been nothing but a blessing to more than 2,000 families every single year in the United States of America. 
What could you get together with a group of people and discuss around your communication, around you understanding yourself and you understanding the people around you, that that minor adjustment could bring life to you and to everyone around you? You want to make the most of your life. You want to be as successful as you possibly can be personally and professionally. You want to be a difference maker. And our words are how we follow Jesus. Nobody spoke like he did. Our words is how we reflect the image of God. He spoke and he created life. Now, I'm, um, I'm blue, as I said. I'm blue. And you know what it says about blues? That we work well alone. We work well alone. We just enjoy it. I don't know what it is. We just work well alone. We also like to be left alone when we're sick. And since we're hypochondriacs, we get sick often. <laughs> I tell Krista when I'm sick. I mean, when she's sick, she wants to talk and communicate. She wants care. I don't want anything. I want to close the door. I don't want any noise. Just, you know, just leave me alone, which is very different. But we work well alone. We want to be left alone. But here's what I found out about myself. Here's what I've learned about myself. I can never be everything that God wants me to be by working alone. So every single month, I get together with a group of people on our staff, and we talk about the words that I'm going to speak. Because if I want to be the best I can be, if I want to be more, I have to get together with other people, with a group of people, to talk about the words I'm going to speak so that my words are better, and hopefully, I communicate better and make the most. How about you? Do you have a group? Do you have a group of people that you can get together and talk about this and have a deeper understanding of yourself and the other people that you're closest to so that you can do more in this life? Well, I want to end with that. I want to tell you this. We have a theme verse. So for the next seven weeks, we together are going to recite Psalm 1914, which says this. It's going to be on the screen. It's on the back of your bulletin. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. You know, I've been thinking about this verse because I chose it months and months ago. And here's what I think every day when I get up. I says, Lord, give me your words. What would happen if God gave me his words? What, ha- what would happen if I didn't let words that I shouldn't speak Like when they rushed the gate to come out, I held them back. What would happen if I started following Jesus with my words? What would happen? And so I'd like us to conclude this way. Would you join me in standing and let's just end this as a proclamation, right? You could end it as a prayer if you want, or you could end as a proclamation, whatever. But can we just say this together? All right, ready? Here we go. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer.